Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Betting Life Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Life. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Week one is finally here, and it is time for the best bets episode powered by Unabated. And joining us on the show this week and every week is sports speculator savant Peter Jennings, aka CSU Ram 88 of Unabated. In this episode, Peter and I will hit on Thursday Night Football. We will discuss our favorite bets, run through a few other games that have our attention, and then close with some thoughts on games to use in picks contest. Pete, how's it going? Friedman, uh, I'm so stoked for this. Uh, really excited for the football season to start. And uh, yeah, it's great to be back with you. And I think we share some similar opinions and maybe on some opposite sides. So let's get into it. Yeah, fantastic to be uh, talking with you here. And let's talk. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. I mean... There's been uh, a lot going on around this game. You have for the Chiefs defensive tackle, Chris Jones, who is holding out. You have uh, a knee injury with tight end Travis Kelsey. So on both sides of the ball, the Chiefs could be missing one of their most dynamic playmakers. Months ago, this game opened around six and a half, seven, and it has steadily been bet down uh, and then very quickly bet down. Uh, with the the news a couple of days ago of Travis Kelsey's knee injury. Now you can find this number. Uh, it was at four at Circa earlier today. Now four and a half. Uh, there is a five and a half at FanDuel. And the total anywhere from 52, 52 and a half to 54, 54 and a half. So, you know, some opportunity in here if, uh, you know, you were desirous to take a stand on how you think the Travis Kelsey situation plays out or... <laughs> If you think that uh, maybe the market is overreacting, but Pete, do you have a read on this game? Well, the, the biggest read that I have is that Travis Kelsey is likely to play. He officially listed questionable, but uh, I've heard rumblings that that Kelsey is likely to play. So, based on that, you might want to grab some Chiefs uh, in the four four and a half range. I do think that once he's confirmed in, assuming that that does happen, the line will close kind of around six six and a half. Uh, so that would be something to take advantage of. And I think the other big thing, like you mentioned, is there's a big discrepancy between the totals here on this game. Uh, there's some 52 and a halfs out there and there's some 54s. So it's really important. And as we you know talk about NFL throughout this year, to make sure that you're always getting the best price. Uh, the NFL market is relatively efficient. And as a better, your advantage is that you get to shop for the best prices and you get to wait to make bets. So for me, this is a classic spot where I really like the over, or I really like the unders on uh, these 54s, and uh, you know I don't mind trying to actually. There are some arbs available if you can pick off some of these 52 and 52 and a halfs. So that's how I'm thinking about this game. It's going to be a really fun showdown slate, and uh, I know we both have some props that we like as well. Yeah, I I look at this game. And it's one of those where I am showing value on the Chiefs. Uh, That said, this team, I feel like they're, I don't know, like with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they're like a a pitcher who has a really great fastball, but knows that he doesn't need to throw the fastball as hard as he can every time. And so the Chiefs, like this is the thing that's known, like they have different, like different types of playbooks for different opponents that they have. And normally it's an insult to say that a team plays down to the level of their opponent, but the chiefs, it seems as if they strategically do that. And given the mastery of Mahomes and Reed, like they're able to get very close to the edge of the cliff without falling off of it. So I could see a situation where, uh, as we saw a lot of times last year, 
the Chiefs would win, but they would not cover. And I I think that uh, you know normally there's a lot of correlation between the spread and the money line and the degree to which a team covers and the degree to which they win outright. That is not as strong uh, of a correlation with the Chiefs. And so I actually feel a little bit better about betting them on the money line than I do on the spread because I I feel pretty confident that they win. I'm far less confident uh, that they cover the spread. Uh, And so if, as you say, there's a decent chance that Kelsey is playing in this game, then I should probably grab the money line now. I was thinking that I would wait a little bit here. And then once we got confirmation that Kelsey was out, then uh, this line might move even more in my direction. But uh, it seems like you're saying I should probably grab this now. Yeah, and Circa has minus 213. DraftKings has minus 218, whereas a lot of other books are in the minus 230 range. Vandal's at minus 235, for example. And just to go back to the one thing that you know we're talking about, the total... Uh, the 54 to the 53 is actually worth 12 cents, and uh, you can use an odds calculator to see that. We have those tools at Unabated, and there are some 52 and a halfs out there as well. So my, my favorite move, just kind of looking at the board right now, is grab the under 54 minus 110 and grab the over 52 and a half minus 112, uh, and you have a, a little bit of an arbitrage there. So uh, this is a really interesting situation we have where there's some uncertainty around Travis Kelsey and the different operators are pricing this differently. So it's rare you see that. You don't normally see really, you know, kind of close markets in the NFL, but uh, our first game of the year, we have some arbitrage uh, available to us. We do. And it's interesting, this line moved down and it has started to move back up a little bit. When I wrote the outline earlier today, the money line for the Chiefs was uh, minus 205 at DraftKings. And now it's uh, back to minus 218, I think. So it's the market is starting to move back towards the Chiefs a little bit, maybe with the idea that, hey, Travis Kelsey actually will play in this game. There's a prop that I like, and I think you also like it. Isaiah Pacheco, over 50 and a half rushing yards. Uh, this was at Caesars uh, minus 110. But, you know, that's the general line across the industry. And I think if Kelsey doesn't play, then that means the uh, the Chiefs lean on the run a little bit more. And if Kelsey does play, then I think their offense is a little more efficient, which probably creates some more rushing opportunities for Pacheco. So I feel like either way, there's a pretty decent setup here for Pacheco going against a defense that last year was, you know, bottom five in the league in success rate against the run. So I like Pacheco quite a bit over 50 and a half rushing yards. I have this projected at 57.8. So seeing a a decent buffer there, uh, what is a prop? That you like yeah i agree with you on that and you know the chiefs have a big offensive line versus defensive line advantage here uh the lions also have an advantage uh with their offensive line versus the chiefs defensive line especially with jones holding out so i think that both offenses can have a lot of success here uh i'm also kind of keying in generally i like to bet unders on props but i do think there could be uh, an interesting situation grabbing maybe the over on like a marvin jones or reynolds receiving yards prop as well so i'm kind of shopping around to see how things move but my favorite uh, prop aligned with you i really like pacheco over uh he's healthy I think these lines were initially set, assuming that he's kind of banged up. He was a full go in practice this week, and I expect uh, him to be the number one back in terms of rushing opportunity. All right. And so I have the Pacheco prop posted in our free bet tracker at Fantasy Life. And of course, 
My preseason bets are in there. All the other bets that we will cover in the show, they are also there in the bet tracker at Fantasy Life, 100% free. And of course, as I make more bets, as we get closer to the weekend, those will be posted in the bet tracker. Pete, I know that there are some other games here that we are uh, we are eyeing, and one of them, Atlanta going against Carolina. Uh, the Panthers are three and a half point underdogs on the road in Atlanta. I believe that you like the Falcons in this spot. I'm a little bit more on the Panthers. I haven't bet it yet. I'm not sure I will bet it. What is your case here for the Falcons? Yeah, I'm really bullish on the Falcons in general this year relative to expectation. Uh, I know our friends over at Establish the Run are also bullish on the Falcons. And I think a big part of it is that they should be a much better team on defense, specifically at the defensive line. Uh, they made a huge investment, uh, you know, got Clays Campbell, uh, Bud Dupree. Um, they brought in a lot of guys. Uh, so they now have a pretty good defensive line. And the one concern I have with the Panthers, who did invest in their offensive line, is that they're still going to struggle there. And I think that's a really, really big disadvantage uh, for a team going on the road with a, a rookie quarterback. So I'm bullish on the Falcons in general. Uh, I'm looking to normally bet early in the year some of these you know, home dogs, but uh, I do actually like this home favorite here with the Falcons. Uh, and I think that the Falcons in general are going to exceed expectations relative to where the markets are now. Yeah. My, my gut instinct on this game is I like the Falcons. Uh, I think the Panthers are very vulnerable without edge rusher, Brian Burns, uh, who who's holding out I, his loss is significant. They also have a new defensive coordinator, Ejiro Evero, who I think long-term is a step up, but in the short term, you could see some defensive struggles as the team transitions to a new scheme. Also, head coach Frank Reich is 0-4-1 against the spread for his career in week one. Like his teams just do not start strong. Uh, so that's the case going against the Panthers. That said, you know, I have my numbers and I'm projecting this at 2.8. So, you know, I think there is value normally through the key number of three. But like, I just see the reasons to be pessimistic on the Panthers. So I haven't bet this one yet. And honestly, I, I don't know if I will. Uh, one game that I am betting, definitely have bet, and I like it a lot. Steelers plus two and a half versus the 49ers. So on the offensive side of the ball, tied in George Kittle, he's dealing with a groin injury. On the defensive side of the ball, you have edge rusher Nick Bosa, who has signed his contract, but is coming in with no training camp, not in football shape. Uh, you know, he might not be a, a full-time player in this game. And even if he is, I don't think he's going to be the normal dominant Bosa that we've seen. And then on the Steelers side, you have quarterback Kenny Pickett. He looked great in the preseason. I think he's ready to make a second-year leap. And for the Steelers, this is like the classic spot for backing them. Head coach Mike Tomlin is fantastic at home really strong as an underdog and as a home dog just absolutely historically has crushed 15 four and three against the spread for his career as a home dog that includes the playoffs so this just feels like situationally a great spot for the Steelers to be hosting a 49ers team that is not close to full strength even though it is still week one and that's not even taking into account that like Brock Purdy hasn't had the normal training camp that you would expect for a, a second year player who's going to be starting he had to recover from elbow surgery so I do like the Steelers here Pete do you have any thoughts on them yeah, this is a, a classic spot. I actually was looking at this game. I am pretty bullish on the Niners long term, but there's a lot of good reasons that you just listed out. And I do think the Steelers are going to make uh, 
a lot of noise this year. Uh, it's a tough division, but I do really like their roster. I think they're going to be excellent defensively. You can see that with the total. These are two really good defensive teams. And then really the, the big question is how much of a leak can Pickett make? And uh, he's got great weaponry. And I think the, the Steelers certainly uh, could be a surprise team just broadly this year. So I like that. I think home dogs in general early in the year have quite a bit of value. So uh, I do like the Steelers call quite a bit. All right, another game that you are eyeing is the uh, Sunday night football game, Giants hosting the Cowboys, a divisional matchup there. Pete, you like the Giants here. Yeah, okay, so this is a, a very uh, trading-specific type of strategy. I, I really like the Cowboys this year. Uh, I think they have one of the best rosters in football. I also like the Giants, so these are two teams that I'm going to be trying to be on the right side of throughout the season. I, I'm bullish on both. Um more so on the Giants relative to expectation than the Cowboys, who I think the market thinks is going to be really good. But the reason I really like this spot is, like we've talked about a little bit, we get a home dog here, and already there's a delta in the markets. There's a lot of threes out there, and then there are some three and a halves. Uh, specifically, I'm seeing at FanDuel right now. And that point, that plus three to plus three and a half is worth 19 cents. Uh, so that's a huge, huge leap. And then going into that game, my other expectation, and this is something that you can wait to bet, is that the public is going to pound the Cowboys and that a lot of these threes will move to three and a half. And you might even get some, you know, plus three and a half, minus one tens, maybe even a little bit better. So my strategy on this game is to wait to bet the Giants uh, with a lot of money coming in on the Cowboys. At least that'd be my expectation. And I think that's a really, really sharp move. I think this game should be three, which is where a lot of markets, especially the sharp markets, have it now. Uh, but I do think a lot of these recreational books and some of the markets going to move heavily towards three and a half, which you've already seen. You know, Caesars has three and a half. FanDuel has three and a half. So uh, that's a really price sensitive uh position, but I think you can really profit uh, just in general understanding how the markets may move, especially if you can get that right. I love that. And I have this projected at 2.75. So I'm on the other side of three. And really what you're saying, you know, wait till we get closer to kickoff. You might have some of that public money sort of chasing what happened previously in the day. That's an extension of this offseason. This line opened at two and a half, three across the market and now it has moved up to three three and a half and so we could continue to see that line move as we get closer to kickoff so uh i i do like that i have like the the friedman model which is a little more aggressive and then like my official model which is like my projections blended with other inputs to try to even it out a little bit and that one is not as uh geared towards the the giants in this spot but uh, I, I see the case for them. I will probably be staying away from that game. But um, yeah, if I were to be taking a side there, it would probably be the Giants. Um, all right. Another game I'm betting here. Dolphins plus three at the Chargers. The Chargers have, you know, basically a non-existent home field advantage like last year. And, you know, granted, like what happens in one year can be noisy. But last year they had actually like a negative home field advantage. And uh, this is not like a one year thing. Like SoFi Stadium is not friendly to the, the teams that are calling that place home. Uh, so that's one strike against the Chargers. And then their run defense, it's it's bad. Last year, they were number 29 in defensive rush EPA and success rate. Uh, and then on the, the Dolphin side of this, they don't have Jalen Ramsey, but they do have a new defensive coordinator who uh, and Vic Fangio, I think, will revitalize uh, what was a really underperforming unit last year. 
And then on the offensive side of the ball for the Dolphins, Tua is, I think, vastly underrated. And maybe it's just that uh, he's a lucky quarterback and that he's got two great receivers around him and a really innovative play caller. But this is also a guy who was the number one recruit in his high school class, did really well at Alabama and entering his final season of college was the presumed number one pick and then was waylaid by incompetent offensive coordinators his first couple of years in the league. Like what we've seen out of Tua now is something that everyone would have, not everyone would have expected, but could have uh, seen within the range of outcomes when Tua was a high school recruit or in college at Alabama. Last year, Tua was number one in the league in adjusted yards per attempt, number two in composite EPA and completion percentage over expectation. Like he was operating in a highly efficient manner within a great offense when he was healthy. He's entering this game healthy. And as an underdog, he's absolutely crushed. 10-5-1 against the spread for his career. I love the Dolphins in this spot. Pete, do you have an opinion here? Yeah, I really like the Dolphins uh, in general this season. They have so much speed on offense, and then they really made a lot of investments uh, defensively as well. So they're in win-now mode. Uh, I think that Tua is going to play super well this year, assuming he stays healthy, and all signs are that he is feeling great, looking great. So uh, I do, in general, like the spot. And like you mentioned, I think one important element of this game is that the Chargers don't have any sort of home field. Uh, it's just it's a, a neutral field at best. Uh, I don't think it'll prove to be a, a disadvantage to play there for them, but uh, it's it's basically about as neutral of a field as you're going to get in the NFL. So I like that call. And I actually have one more game that I, I do want to bring up just from a price perspective, as well as one angle that I think is really important that we'll see throughout the season uh, that I'm really concerned with with the Titans. Uh, so I want to be short the Titans in general this year because of the investment in their offensive line. They're spending the least amount of money on the offensive line of any team. Uh, Brandon Thorne has them as the worst offensive line uh, coming into this season. And I think the Saints are going to be a lot better than people expect. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, a lot of analytics people think he's better than the kind of the general public and the market thinks. Uh, and I just think the Saints have a better roster overall. And one thing that I'm seeing here as we record, looking uh, at an odd screen, is that the sharp books have the Saints minus three and a half. And there are still recreational books out there that have the Saints at minus three. So DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, Caesars, MGM are all at three, whereas, you know, the, uh, a lot of the, the bookmakers like Circa and whatnot, uh, they're at three and a half. So to me, that's a really, really big signal. And I think in general, I am hoping to fade uh, this Titans team uh, with their offensive line. Yeah, uh, great call there. Their offensive line, I have projected as the number 31 unit, um, but I wouldn't quibble too much with Thorne ranking them as as the worst that guy knows his offensive lines better than I know mine. Uh, either way, they are very bad. And, uh, you know, the range of outcomes with that team, I think, is very much skewed towards the downside. So uh, I can certainly see going against the Titans there uh, and the Saints. You know, they have the the easiest strength of schedule uh, this year 
and uh, it starts starts in week one going against Tennessee. Uh, one more game here that I have already bet Packers plus one and a half at the Bears uh, minus one eighteen at FanDuel. If you bet that at plus one, I would still like it. Uh, the Bears last year were number thirty two in defensive DVOA, number thirty two in points allowed. Basically, whatever defensive metric you were looking at, they were one of the bottom three teams in it. I think their defensive line, uh, which I have ranked number thirty is going to be totally outclassed by the Packers offensive line, which I have comfortably in the top eight and Jordan love, you know, the big question is, uh, you know, how he's going to perform as the starter now in green Bay. Uh, he has only one start to his name, but he has multiple seasons, three seasons in the same offensive system, learning it on the sideline. So even though he's a, a first year starter, he is definitely not a first year player. And in his four brief appearances last year, he played pretty well. 66.7% completion rate for 10.2 adjusted yards per attempt. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, I think, is a pretty strong play caller. And against the Bears, he's just absolutely dominated them. 8-0 against the spread for his career. And early in the season, he's been especially strong. 12-4 against the spread in weeks one and four. So I very much like the Packers there plus one and a half. Uh, Pete, any thoughts there on the Packers? Yeah, it's probably my favorite play that you have. Uh, I really like the Packers as well, but I had to pick a side here. Uh, I have not bet it yet, but you make compelling arguments and just kind of looking at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I do think that the biggest mismatch there is the Packers offensive line versus the Bears defensive line, which should be pretty darn bad. I mean, outside the Cardinals, uh, they're going to be really bad. I mean, it's the Texans, it's them. Maybe there's a couple other teams that are in the mix as like really bad defensive lines. And if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, it's going to be really tough to be a competitive football team. So I think that's a, a really good call and, and you convince me and I'll start shopping around. Definitely when you're you know looking at uh, prices that are below the three, uh, comparing the money line and the spreads are really important. I mean, that's in general, you always want to get the best price regardless, but uh, a lot of times there will be some deltas between the spread number and uh, the money lines that you should make sure you take advantage of. In general, if you're going to be laying, if you're going to be going with the dog, uh, you'll want to go with the money line. And if you're going to the favorite, you'll want to go with the spread. That's a general rule, but it's uh, something that I'm definitely taking uh, into account every time I make a bet is I want to get the best price. All right. So Pete, I write an article each week where I provide my projections for the spread and then provide notes on different games. So there are a few games where I'm showing some value on one of the sides. I haven't bet it yet for, you know, matchup reasons, uh, essentially. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts on some of these games. So I'll just kind of, you know, quickly highlight a game and then get your thoughts on it uh, as we we move along here. So the Cardinals plus seven and a half at the Commanders. This was at Circa at minus 110. So the fact that this number is at Circa at plus seven and a half when it's seven everywhere else, that gives me some pause because Circa is sharp. Uh, I But I do have this projected at six. Now my fears are that the projections don't accurately capture the, the downgrade from Colt McCoy to Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon, whoever ends up starting in this game. That said... I'm not sure there actually is a meaningful downgrade from McCoy to Dobbs. And I'm skeptical that commander's quarterback, Sam Howell, should actually be favored by more than a touchdown in his second career start. Do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, this is a game I was looking at right away. And I was like, oh, I really want to short the Cardinals uh, all year. Um, but then I was like, man, is that just the, the really square side? And 
you know, seven, seven and a half points is, uh, is, is a lot. Um, so <laughs> I'm torn. Uh, I, I want to be short the Cardinals. I think everyone knows they want to be bad. Caleb Williams is a generational prospect and, uh, the Cardinals have every incentive to be a bad team this year. And they certainly, um, have a bad roster and, and did everything in their power to, to basically come into the season, uh, as in my view, by far the worst team in the NFL. So, Intuitively, I like the the commanders, but that's a lot of points. Uh, so it's a clear stay away for me at this point in time. I kind of want to see how this plays out. Um, but if I had to pick a side, I guess I'd go commanders. But broadly, especially early on in the season when there's more uncertainty, you want to be taking the points. So that's why I'm conflicted. It's just my intuition says commanders, but the the math and kind of general theory would would lean towards the Cardinals. Yeah, well, with the idea of taking the points, uh, I have Colts plus five versus Jags. I, again, I haven't bet this yet, but it's one that is showing value in my projections. I have it projected at 4.1. Now, the Colts have one of the league's worst secondaries, uh, turned over almost the entire unit from last year to this year. But the Jags defense, it's also subpar. And the combination of head coach Shane Steichen, quarterback Anthony Richardson, I think could be pretty dynamic in the long run for the Colts. The question is whether we start to see that long run in week one. Pete, do you have any thoughts on this game? This is another game that I was initially going to hit the Jaguars on, but I hate taking road favorites. Uh, I'm pretty bearish on Anthony Richardson to start the year. Uh, played a lot of college football DFS, and Richardson was probably the guy I played the most. And he obviously one of the best athletes in the league, if not the best athlete. He's absolutely insane in terms of his potential, but also was clearly not ready even in college for a lot of what he saw when he faced good defenses. Um, and it's just a really quick turnaround to be a starter in the NFL. And I know rookie quarterbacks are, are doing that, but from my from watching him and just kind of uh, everything that I've seen, um, I think there's a lot of hype that he's ready to go, but I am expecting him to, to really struggle early on. So most of the time I'm going to be shorting the Colts to start the year, uh, assuming that kind of comes to fruition. Um, but it's hard to, you know, I think a square thing in general to do is to bet a road big favorite. Um, so I'm staying away from this game, but uh, I would be hesitant to bet the Colts because I, I don't have faith in Richardson to be a, you know, a competent quarterback early on. All right. Another team here getting points. The Rams plus five and a half at the Seahawks minus 106 at FanDuel. I have this projected for 4.2. Now, the Rams are going to be without wide receiver Cooper Cup, who's dealing with uh, a hamstring injury that seems to be a, a little bit more severe than your, your typical out one to two week type of hamstring soft tissue issue. Now, the Seahawks. They were great last year, uh, outperformed expectations. This year, uh, I think they could regress a little bit more. The market might be a little high on them. And then also in the secondary, Jamal Adams looks like he's going to be out with the quad issue. Uh, first round quarterback, Devon Witherspoon, looks like he could be out with a hamstring. Uh, so I don't think that we're going to see a Seahawks defense that is that good. Uh, it wasn't that good last year. And some of the pieces that could maybe help propel it uh, are going to be out in week one. And then Rams head coach Sean McVay, nine and four against the spread for his career against the Seahawks. Do you want to, I mean, do you have a side on this here? Because this game just feels kind of nasty. It's a nasty game. I mean, the Rams are not a good football team. Uh, outside Aaron Donald, they have a really 
young defensive line without a lot of experience. Uh, they're rated pretty low across the board. Same with their offensive line, um, where they have some real issues. And I do like Matthew Stafford a lot, uh, but Cooper Cup was a huge part of their offense and uh, might be one of the most important position players for any team, uh, assuming health, assuming he's in good health. And yeah, I think that's a big, big uh, missing piece for the Rams here. But it's a divisional game. These teams know each other really well. Um, you know, there's some five and a halfs out there. If you wanted to get there, five to five and a half is not a, a big deal at all. But uh, it's a stay away for me. And I'm very curious to see what this Rams team looks like throughout the year. Uh, I expect them to be pretty bad, but maybe they'll surprise. Uh, they still do have Aaron Donald, who's one of the best players in the NFL. And, and Matthew Stafford is definitely an above average quarterback. Uh, on the Seattle side, actually, I'm, I'm, I think they're one of the most well run organizations. Uh, they really fleece the Broncos with the Russell Wilson trade. They have a lot of talent. The question is, can Geno Smith be the same quarterback that he was last year? I'm skeptical, but they have great, great uh, weaponry. So, yeah, this is not a game that jumps out to me. And in general, when betting, it's almost a bad sign if you're if you're thinking, hey, I have a side on every game. There, there's a lot of games that should be stayaways. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, Cooper Cup maybe one of the few if not the only wide receiver uh who is worth maybe more than a point to the spread uh for the rams all right patriots plus four versus the eagles i have this projected at three and a half the patriots they have a strong defense uh number two in epa last year they're returning 10 starters uh their offense should be improved quarterback mac jones entering his third season and of course a new offensive coordinator uh, and they can get after the passer. They were number three last year in sack rate. The Eagles were number 24 uh, in offensive sack rate allowed, primarily because quarterback Jalen Hurts tends to hold on to the ball. The thing is, you know, Hurts has improved every year of his career, and he's the kind of dual threat quarterback who historically gives head coach Bill Belichick uh, trouble on his defense. So I see a little bit of value on the Patriots. Uh, I just don't think I'm actually going to bet it. Yeah, this is another stay away game for me. There are some three and a halfs out there. Uh, if you like the Eagles, definitely get the plus four if you're on the Pats. Uh, intuitively, I like the Eagles. We were really bullish on the Eagles last year. That was one of the things that worked out. Certainly got a lot of things wrong, but the Eagles was a, a really nice hit. And I still want to be bullish on the Eagles, but now the market has just rated them as clearly the you know so Eagles and the Chiefs is the best teams in the NFL based on the market ratings at this point. And uh, another spot where it just feels really fishy to take, you know, uh, a road dog. And I do think the Patriots are, are undervalued uh, broadly. Uh, I do think they have a really good defense, like you mentioned. And I know they don't have great, great weaponry. Uh, they certainly are a slow offense. But I think they'll be a team that can win a lot of kind of grindy games, obviously well coached. And uh, generally, they have a really big home field advantage as well. So. I'm staying away from this game. Um, if I was looking at it, I definitely would shop because there are three and a half and fours out there. All right. Well, speaking of home field advantage, you have the Broncos hosting the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, in a revenge game uh, against the Broncos. I have this projected at 3.3. Uh, the line is four. I don't care what my medium projections say. Uh, I see massive downside risk with Josh McDaniels. I think he could be utterly outmaneuvered by Sean Payton. And the Raiders, one of the worst teams in the league, Broncos, a true home field advantage at elevation, especially early in the year. So I'm showing some value on the Raiders, but I do not trust it at all. I do not want to have any exposure to the Raiders. Uh, but what are your thoughts here? 
We got some news. We got to monitor Judy if he's going to play. Uh, I assume no, but he was limited in practice today. Uh, that That's something that would move the line a little bit if he were to play. Um, I am very impressed by Peyton. Um, I do think the Broncos have a lot of really good players. Uh, Russell Wilson, though, I'm not confident he's going to bounce back. Uh, what made Russell Wilson super special in Seattle was his escapability. He bought more time than any quarterback during his prime, and that started to slip off when he wasn't able to kind of extend plays and, and hit those long uh, down-the-field passes. And I expect that to kind of continue. He's just getting older, and I don't think Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback at all anymore. So this is another stay-away game for me, which I know is lame. I've said that in like the last, uh, last couple spots, but it's a divisional game. Um, I don't love the Broncos as a big favorite. I, I think they'll be kind of a middle middle of the road team this year and uh the raiders uh, i'm not optimistic about them either but um you know this this is a pretty fair spread to me uh, especially a uh, divisional game all right so we've talked about uh a number of these games here now i know that uh a lot of betters uh sharp betters don't have exposure to even five games uh, on a typical NFL week, maybe they're picking, you know, two to three games that they're really focusing on. But if you are in a picks contest, uh, you have to have five games out there. And Unabated has a great picks tool that compares the contest lines with the unabated lines. And the unabated lines are a consensus from Sharp Sportsbooks. Uh, so there's uh, certainly an edge to using the tool there. And of course, there's a little bit of game theory that goes into the picks contest uh, because lots of people might gravitate towards certain plays just as they do in DFS GPPs. So uh, you want to balance the market edge with the contest edge. So, Pete, I think it would be a kind of fun little little process to to look at what uh, is going on on the unabated page here uh, for DraftKings specifically because I've entered a DraftKings contest right as we are about to kick off the season. So there are five games that stand out to me as the ones that I would be thinking about entering into a contest. Uh, I would like to get your thoughts. Lions plus six and a half at the Chiefs. Now, I'll just sort of like if people blank a statement. If people don't know how these contests work, they set lines and those lines are stagnant and the market might move. But the lines that are set, those are the ones that you bet against for the contest. So lines, the Lions plus six and a half at the Chiefs, that feels like necessary chalk. Uh, you know, if you don't take it, you are giving up a lot of value and you're probably not gaining enough leverage on the field to outweigh the contest value, the line value that you are giving up. Pete, do you have thoughts on the lines at six and a half? Yeah, even if I'm expecting Kelsey to get ruled and I don't think it goes all the way up to six and a half. I said, you know, six, maybe six and a half. So there'll be edge there regardless, but I'll monitor to kind of see where the market goes. But yeah, I think especially early in the season, I'm mostly going to ride the big edges based on the closing line relative to the contest line. And I love that tool. I entered the uh, $50,000 Pick'em uh, contest on DraftKings. So <laughs> of course. that is a, a big contest this year that I'm excited to, to play. 
And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be chatting about it throughout the year. I did pretty well last year in Pick'em. I did survive one of the survivors on, on DraftKings, which was really fun. So I'm bullish in general on those types of pools and uh, really excited to see those grow uh, across the industry and uh, really excited for some of the high stakes that there's a 10K survivor. There's obviously the 50K DraftKings uh, Pick'em pool. And then, of course, there's you know much smaller buy-ins as well. Uh, you don't have to go into the nosebleeds if you want to test out these pools. And I do think the the pick'em tool is super, super helpful. It's comparing the unabated line versus the stale contest lines. And uh, the unabated line is not just a, a, you know, a mix of sharp books. We actually have done data science to see which books are the sharpest in terms of getting to the closing line the fastest. Uh, so the unabated line, I believe, is a really, really good uh, barometer for what the markets are saying uh, at any given point in time. So I try to wait till kind of near kickoff and I put in my pick and picks. And I think especially early in the season, you can just kind of ride the equity. And then if you're doing well, you can continue to kind of play the chalk. And if you get behind, that's when you can start using game theory to your advantage. All right. Another game here uh, that I think has good line value, especially, you know, just looking at this unabated tool here, uh, Rams plus six and a half. We talked about it earlier, uh, but, you know, across the the market, this number is now five, five and a half, six and a half in the contest. So a significant value there. And I doubt that people will actually want to be taking the Rams here. So there might even be extra value just kind of based on uh, contest tendencies. Do you have any thoughts on this pick? Yeah, these are the picks that feel gross, but are just, you got to do it. And I, I absolutely think it's a really sharp uh, play to do. Yeah, we're showing like a 6.5% edge. Um, I, that's something that, that I would hit. It doesn't feel good, but I am going to be on it. And uh, assuming that there's not other big changes, but as of right now, that would be one of my five choices would be the Rams. All right. Uh, one here that you already talked about this game. It's disgusting. I don't know if you would be on it. Titans plus three and a half at the Saints. I think there's line value above the three here. Uh, and I like head coach Mike Vrabel as an underdog. 25-17 against the spread in that spot for his career. I don't know. I I, I understand the, the case for bearishness on the Titans. Their offensive line is terrible. But the Saints, they lost a significant number of interior defenders on their defensive line. So they could be vulnerable to the running game, which uh, you know I think could help the Titans keep this within a field goal. Thoughts on the Titans plus three and a half, given that three is the number you see in the market. Yeah, this might be a hedge life spot for me. Uh, we do show value on the Saints uh, as a group at that th at that three number. Um, but yeah, Titans at three and a half. You know, maybe you get lucky and you can kind of middle that spot. Um, I like some other spots a little bit better than than the Titans, uh, just because I'm bullish on the Saints relative to where the market currently is. But we'll see where that closes. And uh, I, I think the approach is good. I mean, these spots that don't feel great, but you're still getting that six to ten percent edge uh, based on where. The contest line is versus the unabated line makes a lot of sense. All right. Another one here. Texans plus 10 and a half at the Ravens. This one is truly disgusting, but I think that there's value above 10. Uh, but man, the Texans, I, I got to say, I, I'm going to watch where this number goes because they are without three starting offensive linemen. So there's a chance that this number moves to 10 and a half, maybe even moves past that in the market. And if that happens, and obviously I'm not touching this at all, but if it stays at 10 and 10 and a half is the contest line, that's interesting. Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, 10 and 18 against the spread as a home favorite for his career. So 
maybe some theoretical value here. Any thoughts on the Texans? Oh, this is a gross one because I expect this line to move towards the the Ravens. Um, so yeah. again, it's really important that you wait until you know if you're playing these seriously, you should wait uh, as close to kickoff as you possibly can. And I expect this to move towards the Ravens. It is a lot of points, but yeah, the ten and a half to like twelve and a half range is a not a huge edge in terms of percentage outcomes. Uh, you know, it's really about that thirteen next. So I expect it to kind of move within there, and I don't think this will be a huge edge. Uh, going off the 10 where it is now is obviously a big deal, but uh, I think the market's going to move to the 10 and a half yeah. to, to 12 range. Yeah. All right. And then the one more that I'm thinking about, again, all of this is predicated on where the market is now. And knowing that the market will move, my thoughts on these games will change based on the contest lines. The final one here, Cardinals plus seven and a half at the Commanders. It's disgusting. I don't think anyone is going to be on it, but I think seven and a half is just a little too much. Uh, so I think there's some line value and then also some contest value. Uh, Pete, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Titans at the Saints that there were other teams, other games that you liked more. Uh, are there a couple that are standing out to you when you were looking at the unabated pick'em tool? Yeah, just real quick on the Cardinals, the seven and a half I do think would be another kind of gross spot, but probably something that's worth taking. Um, and that's something that I, I probably would do. Um, and we, week one, there's a lot of uncertainty and just taking points, uh, I think is broadly pretty sharp. Um, if you're going to lean, uh, underdogs versus favorites, people like to bet favorites, people like to bet overs. Uh, so generally the sharper side is going to be on the underdogs and the unders, uh, as well as, uh, you know, just betting things that people don't want to bet, you know, in the pick'em tools and, and just different things. People want to bet on things to happen. So there's oftentimes more value on things not to happen. Uh, so I think a lot of people are going to be on the commanders to cover, um, which is why I think the Cardinals is probably the better side, even though, as we discussed, it feels really gross. Uh, some other games that I think are interesting. Uh, you know, the Eagles line, we'll see where this ends up closing. The contest line is only three and a half. So that's something I would look at. Um, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers that you mentioned, I really like that. You're getting the plus two and a half with a contest line. So I think that's pretty savvy. Those are two games I'm looking at. And then the other one that's throwing a big edge right now, which I know you don't like, is the Chargers. Uh, it's only minus two and a half. And that line movement from two and a half to three, currently it's an 8.3% edge. So I would hammer that just taking the edge. Uh, I do like the Dolphins kind of theoretically at the three, but uh, Chargers two and a half. I'm definitely taking that. Yeah. Two and a half to three is a massive difference there. So, uh, you know, I think as you mentioned, sort of like hedge life, it might be an instance where I'm betting the Dolphins plus two and a half entering the Chargers, or Dolphins plus three entering the Chargers minus two and a half uh, in a contest because there is value there. All right, Pete, it was uh, great having you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and we can finish here. It's that's exactly how I try to think about, you know, all these things. We have DFS, we have, you know, the underdog and prize picks pickums. We have these pools. We have traditional betting. We have props. And I'm trying to build a portfolio. And I actually love when I can get a great price on one side in a different contest and then bet the other side uh, in the markets. I think that Chargers Dolphins example is a perfect way that like a professional would trade this. So uh, hedge life is not just hedging for the fun of it. It's, it's hedging to profit. And I think that's a really good example.
All right. Great stuff there, Pete. That's going to do it for this best bets episode of the betting life podcast powered by unabated. Please subscribe to the show. Tell your degenerate betting friends, hit up the fantasy life live YouTube channel, join the discord, see all of our bets in the free fantasy life bet tracker and follow us on social media at CSU Ram 88 and Matt F the Oracle. Thank you. And see you again next episode.